0: Welcome to Docs on the Rocks, where we sit back and pour ourselves our favorite libation and opine on all things related to managing documents in your professional life. I'm your host, Chris Martz, Senior DMS Consultant with the Affinity Consulting Group. I'm joined by my guest today, Stacy Devlin, Director of Client Success, and Vanessa Wynn, Client Relationship Manager, also with Affinity Consulting. And today, we thought we would talk about implementing and supporting your DMS remotely. <music> now let's pour ourselves a conversation. All right. Hello, ladies. Welcome. Welcome, Stacey. How are you today?
1: I'm doing well, Chris. How are you?
0: Excellent. Vanessa, how are you doing today? Welcome.
1: Doing great as well, Chris.
0: Good. Well, as we always do, we want to start out with talking about what exactly we are drinking. So today, Stacy, what have you got in your glass?
2: I have a quarantine. So that's an orange emergency mix um, mixed with vodka and water, which I think is perfect for, you know,
0: covid and quarantine. You've probably been having a lot of those recently, I'm guessing. It's become my favorite. <laughs> Good. And Vanessa, what do you got in your glass?
1: You know, Chris, it is really hot outside. And during these summer days, before school starts, I like to treat myself to a bomb popsicle. So I don't know if you remember the old popsicles, the red, white, and blue popsicles. Absolutely. Made of grenadine, rum, blue curacao, and lemonade. All layered, just like the it, bomb it's, popsicle.
0: It's layered in the glass, just like the popsicle?
1: Mm-hmm. And it oh, tastes man. just like the bomb popsicle.
0: I wish we had video on this. That would be awesome. Well, I am following in your footsteps with it being nice and warm outside for the summer months. And I have a strawberry milkshake from McDonald's. (laughs) It was just a a milkshake and french fries kind of afternoon. So, all right, well, today's topic that we're gonna talk about is implementing and supporting your DMS system, but doing so remotely. Um, By now, a lot of People are realizing this is lasting a lot longer than we thought. And so there may be some things that we can talk about with regards to doing things more in a remote fashion rather than in the traditional kind of boots on the ground standpoint. So Stacy, I wonder if you might start us off and just talk about kind of what are some of the things that we have learned doing some of these DMS implementations in a remote fashion?
2: Sure. Back before the world changed a bit, we, we certainly were big proponents of doing on-site go lives for any of the software implementations that we were doing. We preferred to be on site for, for our training and, and we, we had certainly always done it that way. But then once you know, once COVID 19 hit and a lot of our we sent our, our entire workforce home and then a lot of our clients did the same you know, a lot of projects that were supposed to go live in, in, you know, March, April, we kind of put on hold. And then we had clients that, you know, we started talking to them about, you know, we can do this remotely. Let's let's just talk about thinking outside of the box a little bit and, you know, let's kind of pivot on our original plan. And we've learned that it not only can we do it, we can do it successfully. And it's it's been really good for for a lot of our clients. And and one of the things that's that's really fun about it is the fact that not everyone learns the same way. So we, we've definitely learned that you have to provide training in multiple ways. And back in the days of when we were going on site, typically what we would do was classroom, classroom style training followed by floor support. So basically everyone was, was getting training pretty much in, in two ways. One was they would come in, they would sit And go through, watch us um, do, again, classroom style training, like they're attending a training session um, in a classroom. And we have, there's a a teacher up front going through all the material. They could ask them questions, but it was not hands on. And then afterwards, we would always be doing what we called floor support, where we would walk around and, and help people at their desk. We had to pivot that to an online scenario, and when we did that, we actually started throwing in some additional options for ways to to do the training. So we still offered the quote-unquote classroom-style training. We're still doing that, but that's webinar-style. So we can talk a little bit about, you know, kind of how we do that, but but basically that's everyone attends a webinar training session, but then we are also offering that same content in smaller snippets of recorded training that they can access on demand. We're also recording all of those webinars that we're doing so that folks can refer back to them later or if they were distracted by children or dogs or uh, the other things from working from home, they could go um, and watch the recording in full at a later time. So that has actually worked really well for us, giving folks kind of the opportunity to learn at their own pace and not necessarily be, be stuck on a, on a particular schedule that is as, as regimented as if we were on site. So that's one of the things that we've learned is definitely that there are ways to offer the training in multiple different ways.
0: Yeah, I'm, I've attended and uh, actually performed some of those webinar trainings myself. It is a, a little bit different because you don't have much in the way of feedback from the audience, right? Do you, you, did you get this? Did you not get it? There's things of that nature. How do we kind of address some of those concerns about not having that live interaction?
2: Sure. I mean, one of the cool things that we, that we discovered with using um, the tool that we're using for our webinar salt training is actually called GoToWebinar. So we have the users actually sign up for the webinars. They get their own unique link So that gives us actually some pretty cool data. At the end of the training session, we can see exactly who attended, whether they were attentive or not. And if they asked any questions in the questions panel throughout the training, we have access to that so that we can follow up individually with those users afterwards if we need to. But one of the other features that we found in GoToWebinar was the ability to do polling throughout the training session. So once the we, we, the way that we do that is we'll have one trainer um, actually presenting the content and then we'll have what we call moderators, so additional trainers that are monitoring the chat and the questions panel. They will answer the questions live there in the questions panel and then they would also, at times throughout the training, a lot that the trainer would stop and say, do we have any questions in the the moderator would, would pass those on. But then we also, the moderator would run some polls and the polling questions would pop up to basically be able to gauge whether the attendees were, were picking up on the content that we were, that we had just presented, if we needed to go back and, and, and hit some of those points again. So that we enjoyed kind of playing around with those. And a lot of it was just to kind of keep people engaged.
0: Not so much as a quiz, just, are you still with us? Are you still paying attention? Kind of questions. So I know one of the things that, that we struggled with at first was this concept that everybody has to not just show up for training, but actually ahead of time, sign up for the individual classes. And like you said, that gives us some good data. What are some of the the lessons kind of we learned from doing those webinar styles that, you know, help in the future for getting people to, to understand that they do have to sign up ahead of time?
2: Communication, communication, communication. We cannot overly communicate enough, really, exactly what's going to happen. Particularly, again, with the on-site environment, you have your firm administrator or your different leaders of the different departments who are walking up and down the hall, or they're communicating with folks, or they're seeing them in the lunchroom or wherever, and they're able to kind of get that messaging out. We we were working with entirely remote workforces. So folks were having to, we were having to send multiple emails about the same same topic. We would just send it in different ways. We also would recommend that the firm administrators reach out to their users, whether if they were using something like Microsoft Teams for chatting or Slack or something like that, to do some additional internal communication, just to make sure that everybody's hearing the fact that they need to sign up for these for these training sessions. One of the issues that we ran into would would be things like they forgot to sign up or they would lose their link. One of the good things about GoToWebinar is once they do sign up, it'll actually send them their link a couple of times. It sends it to them as soon as they sign up and then it sends it to them again one day ahead of time and one hour ahead of time. So that hopefully reminds them that they need to click on this specific link and then you know sometimes they would still forget it but you know that's why we had a moderator there available to assist with folks if they you know needed assistance with with logging in but as we we've been doing these these remote deployments now since april and each one of them gets a little bit easier because we're learning learning more about the best way to communicate with folks
0: so outside of just the webinars, Vanessa, I wonder if you might talk about some of the additional training like the platforms that we have started using to, as Stacy indicated, you know, not everybody learns the same way. I know you've been pretty heavily involved in doing those little video vignettes and getting those prepared for individual situations. I wonder if you talk a little bit about that.
1: Sure. And so, with a little video, v- video vignettes, I create what we'll do is we actually put um, little, no more than you know, five-minute video, you know, go-to or instructions on how to uh, accomplish tasks and whatnot. But we'll put it all in an area in our if any, insight or the or if any university where they can go back in and they can watch those videos. And they're just you know, videos that are task-oriented, and not only that, but we also provide manuals for those that you know that want to not that don't want to look at videos and they're more of a reader and so we can do that but not only that but we also have um, genius bars and genius bars are where people can go come in and out on a go to meeting and ask all the questions they want and we'll help them right then and there
0: so that's interesting. So that kind of takes the the role if you will of the boots on the ground kind of floor support where we can't just be over somebody's shoulder and helping them, you know, get the document done or or out the door that they need. Uh, this gives them an opportunity to come to us basically for questions and and one-on-one support in some cases. Stacy, how did that concept come about and has it worked pretty well?
2: it has it so we were really trying to replace that concept of the of the floor support where in what we were doing there is is basically exactly that when they would when when users would come out of training we had consultants that were walking around on the floor and and able to Assist them and, and answer questions for them. And we also would would we would we would walk up and down the hallways. If folks didn't have specific questions, we would literally go sit in a conference room and be available for them to bring their laptop into us and, and ask questions or just pop their head in. So we were trying to transition that concept to a remote concept, which is where we came up with the idea of a, of a remote Genius Bar. And essentially, it's an online opportunity for um, questions and answers. So. We will schedule for multiple consultants to be in the Genius Bar or the Go Meeting waiting room or a Zoom room, if, you, if you're more familiar with that concept. And users just pop in when they have a question. And we have some that would just pop in and, and hang out and, and watch um, other people ask questions. And our trainers are in there, they're showing their screen, they are navigating through the the program and answering questions. Some people come in with specific hair on, I got a hair on fire issue, and we can we can break out of the room and go work with them individually, solve their problem, and then come back in. So it, it's allowing for one-on-one support, as well as folks to just kind of sit back and, and see what other questions other people have, as well as, you know, kind of crowdsourcing your issue. You can show up and there's multiple people there that are, um, are talking through the workflow problem that, that you've experienced. So sometimes it's, it's technical in nature, and sometimes it's just simply, "Hey, how would you do this?" and it becomes a discussion. So that's translated pretty nicely for us.
0: So I know when I've been on the Genius Bars, sometimes we get the questions of, you know, this isn't working the same way that it did during the training. And oftentimes that comes down to kind of you know, installation of the various software parts to it. Vanessa, I wonder if you wouldn't mind talking a little bit about kind of some of the, I don't know if challenges is the right word, but some of the things to consider from a remote standpoint rather than everybody being in the office when it comes to doing just baseline installation of some of the software.
1: Yeah, so baseline installation. So it's just a matter of, you know, what's hard about, you know, SaaS soft software is that it's constantly updating, right? And during training or during a pilot, you might get like a particular version. But then once you go live, that software might have been updated. And, you know, if you aren't aware of it, then you're on the old um, version. And so it's just making sure that, you know, you're doing your due diligence and Keeping up to date with all the software, but it's not just software because now that everyone's working remote, we're depending on everyone else's internet and perhaps even their own personal computers. So not all hardwares are made the same, and we all understand that, right? It's it's the it's the industry.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So there are struggles involved with that, but I think it's important for firms or or companies that are are looking to do a remote deployment to kind of build in in a little extra time from that standpoint, right? Because it, it may not be as straightforward as it would be if everybody was sitting there in the office to do something as simple as install a new program on somebody's computer. So it's just kind of one of those heads up moments, if you will. Now from a communication standpoint, I know we didn't just rely on those genius bars. Stacey, I wonder if you might talk about kind of that central point of communication that we kind of encourage firms to have.
2: Sure. So for that, you we when we're working throughout the project, we always have a a stakeholder team that we are working with there at the company that's communicating with our consultants throughout the, and and our project manager throughout the deployment process. And usually someone from that team or multiple people from that team become the um, main point of contact for all of the end users internally during the go live week. And it becomes important that there's a central, central communication spot really for the end users to go to because most of the time the firm, for example, doesn't want every single person within the firm to be able to just reach out to the consultants or the trainers for help directly. They kind of want to field the issues, determine what those issues are, and then pass those up to us. So having either a strong firm administrator or you know, someone in IT or, or just simply folks who have been working with us on the project team to assist us throughout that project is super important during the go live week and beyond, to be honest, and really kind of filtering those issues up to us. And then we typically give them a specific point of contact here at Affinity as well to filter all of their issues through and or any questions that they're seeing on the floor because really the way that that this document management system is going to succeed is if all of the users know how to use it. <laughs> so we want them to attend training and we want them to to ask any questions that they have so that by the end of the go live week they're feeling pretty comfortable with that program. So we can only solve the problems that we know about. So that that central point of communication they're constantly reminding them about when the trainings are. When the genius bars are taking place, how they can get help, how they can access um, the training videos, et cetera, and then also gathering any questions that they have and getting those over to us so that um, we can make sure that we can knock those out because we, we want them to learn pretty quickly in this program before they decide a that they don't want to use it or be that it's too hard. So, you know, we, we try really hard to, to, to keep up with that communication so that we can stay in front of the, the end users and, and get everyone comfortable as quickly as we can.
0: Yeah, and I'll just add on to that, you know, that central point of communication kind of in the firm to, to get to us is important, but it's also something that we do in-house where we have that central point of communication where those questions are coming in because we often have um, several consultants that would be involved in a project and different consultants may have expertise in one area or another. So we can route that to the correct person to answer that particular question. So for example, we have a conversion consultant that can help with, you know, where's the document that I'm looking for type questions. And then we've got some other technical ones who can help with the desktop installation pieces and things of that nature.
2: Yeah. And if we're doing actually a net documents implementation, we're actually utilizing some of the internal features of that program to help us with with that. And one of our favorites. Is is ND thread. And we're actually creating our punch list or our tickets or basically tracking all questions from end users in Indie Thread. We can share that so that it's visible out with the client so that they can also see the status of those questions. We always have an end-of-day status call for every single, every day of, of the go live week where we would go through and see how things went, how did the training go, what's the feedback from the users, and then we'll review that punch list. And then hopefully by the end of the go live, we, we have, we've we completed that. But really, it's it's kind of cool to use ND Thread, which is one of the features of the program that we're rolling out as well. I'm sure Vanessa could speak more technically about, about that program, but it's, it's nice for me from a project management perspective to be able to, to see everything in one spot.
1: Right, Stacey. And not only that, but not only do we use it internally, but also be shared externally. So even during a launch or a go live, we'll bring in the firm administrators into the ND Threads with us. And so that way we can go back and forth and all those conversations are documented securely, all within that documents, right? Another nice feature about ND Thread is that you can actually share documents and then also annotate on it. That way you're, you can go back and forth without sending those emails over and over and over again. So, it's been really effective using thread, uh on our Go Lives. So I definitely like it.
0: And is that something, you know, moving past a, a, a Go Live standpoint and more towards just the ongoing support aspect of it? I imagine many of these same concepts make sense to just have in place moving forward for firms. Is that right?
2: Yeah, definitely. So we we actually we have an offering um, for our clients that we call Net Documents Complete Care. But essentially, what that is is, and we we do this with with our other document management program of WorldDocs as well. But with Net Documents specifically, we're continuing right along with Indie um, Thread and the things that we've been communicating with the client on throughout go live. So with our Complete Care offering, we. They are assigned a um, client relationship manager who is the liaison between um, the client and, and Affinity. And they are communicating a lot of times with open issues or, or new updates in the software, or we're going to schedule some additional training for you, et cetera. And we can keep track of all of that stuff in IndieThread as well. So it's kind of nice that the tools that they use to, throughout GoLive, we can continue throughout the life of our of, of our working relationship with the client.
0: So what are some of the things that, you know, complete care brings to the table that maybe firms themselves can't do internally?
2: So we assign a client relationship manager to them. And Vanessa happens to be the client relationship manager for most of our net documents, complete care clients. But so what you get that you don't get when you're working directly with net documents is you get Vanessa. So that's That's right.
0: (laughs) Always a plus.
2: But one of the things that, that we talk about is how we will actually li- li- liaison directly with the end user. We can remote into their, rem- their desktop and assist them. We also do training whereas they, they're not going to get that directly from the from net document support. So Indy support is going to certainly assist you with bug fixes and they'll open tickets for things like that. But but you're going to get a little bit more of a hands-on personal support from us from an administrative um, standpoint and, and especially from an end user standpoint. But also, you know, we designed the software and designed the, the repository for them. Sorry, not the software, but we set it up for you. So so we understand the workings of that particular law firm and know those those end users by the time we get through go live so it's kind of nice to continue that relationship but Vanessa can certainly talk a little bit more about what she does day to day with folks
1: Yeah, so it's more like the white glove service that we we offer right we delight our customers and so with net documents complete care um, I am their go-to like they said I'm their liaison whether I am working on their issues or just finding a resource to uh, for those issues and, you know, we well, also provides reports on the health of their NetDocuments repositories as well. So every single month, I go through and build reports for them to show them whether or not users are, you know, using NetDocuments effectively, you know, if they are running out of storage soon, and just uh, triaging any potential risks that could come in the future.
0: Excellent. Well, we have certainly talked about, you know, taking firms live. We've talked about ongoing support. I, I wonder if, you know, just based on our experience, are there any things that, you know, are, are heads up? What are the, some of the gotchas that that folks would need to pay attention to or look out for when attempting to do stuff remotely? What are some of the things that bit us?
1: One of the pains was actually getting people to know how to connect or even share their screen on either a go to meeting or a zoom call that was hard or even just using any of the other features like log me in making sure that they understand that they need to be outside if they're in a virtual environment they have to be outside of the virtual environment in order for us to connect as well sometimes
2: just kind of dealing with home internet honestly that that was one of our biggest issues because when we are when all of the users are in an office and we are remote, that, that's that's one thing, but it's, it's completely different for all of the users to be at home and for us to be at home. So um, particularly, oh, for, right. yeah, particularly for these larger law firms that are used to having, um, the end users are absolutely used to having in-house IT that help them with everything, so much so that they were really not allowed to troubleshoot their own things. So they, they don't really have that skill set. So some of the, the the words that we use, like what's your ISP? That's Internet Service Provider. Some of our end users don't understand that, or what kind of bandwidth do you have, or <laughs> um, you know, connect to what what web browser are you using? There are there's terms that they're just not super familiar with, and so we kind of have to take a little bit of a step back sometimes because in our normal deployment we are used to working with. IT folks and people that are a little bit more tech savvy. But then when we take it down to a fully remote deployment and we're working directly with the end users and their home um, offices, which are sometimes their couch, it's it's different. And so we definitely have to plan for that. So it takes a little bit longer, takes a little bit more patience sometimes.
1: You know, and Stacy to add on to that. I mean, we gotta remember everyone's working from home now, so it's not just the user that's at the home, but it's their their partners, their kids, whoever else is also taking up the bandwidth. That also affects um, how we can connect with them remotely as well, because you know, although we would like to sometimes you know see each other's faces and whatnot, the videos might not work, especially when we're trying to do a sh- screen share, right? So, and sometimes if someone else in their house is having another call. They take up all the bandwidth, and then our connection with the user ends up being wonky, and then I end up rescheduling. <laughs> so
2: Definitely. so that's that's a gotcha you can't really plan for, because it really sometimes it just depends on is it a rainy day outside so they you know they're they're having trouble with their connection are there are their kids playing their Xbox you just really don't know.
0: Listen, guys, I hear a last call in the background, so I just want to take a minute, say thank you very much for joining us today. I really want to try that bomb pop drink the next time I'm out, Vanessa, so you're going to have to hook me up with that. And Stacy, thank you very much for joining us today.
2: No problem. Thanks, Chris. It was fun.
0: And cheers to each of you for listening.